Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another week of the Health Wealth Podcast. We've got another interesting episode for you coming up. We're going to hear a really interesting health story, uh, which is what we love to hear on this podcast. We're joined by Simone Gizondi with us today. Um, firstly, Simone, uh, how are you? And then I'll let you just give yourself a little introduction and tell us who you are and what you do. Thank you so much, Ryan. I'm amazing. Thank you so much, first and foremost, for having me on your show. It uh, gives me great pleasure to share my story. Um, by way of introduction, yes, I'm a holistic nutritionist. I'm also I also do like transformation kind of uh, health coaching because health oftentimes, and I'm sure you probably have found this, includes a lot more than just what you eat, but rather a lot of the mindset component, the ability to dedicate yourself to a new lifestyle. I'm also a certified hypnotist. I wanted to really tap into the subconscious mind where we have a lot of our conditioning and the programs that kind of run the show and gets us stuck. Um, and I'm also a holistic cancer therapist. So I worked with my father who had two cancers and I really wanted to dive deep to learn how the body kind of interfaces with that, with that chronic disease and how we can optimize it so that we could get past those things, you know, number two killer in the whole world. So yeah, so I, I wanted to study health to, to its most depth. I've also written a book um, published in 2021, and it's a little memoir about my story, my health story. So back in 2011, I had a stroke. So uh, learning about health was super important to me for many personal reasons. And I kind of chronicled my my story and my journey of how I got myself back to optimal health and being in you know peak performance for... Um, I've done fitness competitions, things like that. So there really is so much that you could do with health, even if you do come across things that, uh, like ailments, anything that kind of obstacles that stand in your way. Yeah, amazing, amazing. A lot of a lot of qualifications, and you know, you've clearly spent a lot of time learning and immersing yourself in the in in, in this area, which is amazing. So obviously, you mentioned there, kind of your reason mm -hmm. you got into it was you having that that stroke. Um, yes. So, 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 take us back to that, um, and and tell us about you know how it happened. Maybe if, if you know sort of why it happened and what led up to it, and and how you responded to it. For sure. Um, first and foremost, I want the audience to know that oftentimes we believe that ill health comes as a result of very defined parameters in the sense of I eat really bad, and so this like X equals Y, I eat really bad and then I get sick. And I'm not trying to say that that's not the case because oftentimes it is predominantly that is the case. However, prior to my stroke back in 2011, I was actually, um, and I'm not joking when I say this, I was my at my doctor's office, I was the star patient. Like every time she would run my blood tests, I was, she used to say verbatim, her words were always, you are my most exemplary patient. I mean, my numbers were off the chart good. And so I was the epitome. I was running. I was eating very clean, very healthy. However, and I know that it's become more mainstream, I was highly, highly stressed. I mean, I'm a type A personality, so I was always pushing myself. I have a little bit of perfectionism. I was always pushing. I was married. I had two kids. I wanted to be, um, you know, peak body composition, peak performance, peak employee, peak wife, peak mother, so many things, a lot of pressure. 
Uh, and at that time, my marriage was actually on the rocks. So we were sort of going through separation, um, of course. And I had this feeling, I mean, for all the people out there who are intuitive, I had this this deep feeling that came to me out of nowhere that something was going to happen, like a, a feeling of doom. And I, I couldn't really put my finger on it. And then when I started thinking about it, I'm like, oh, my God, I think I'm going to probably have a heart attack from all of this. So I I almost manifested that because I kept thinking that something's going to happen to me. And sure enough, it did. It came. I mean, because I gave so much of my energy to it. And uh, so, yeah. So in 2011, I collapsed in my kitchen in the morning around 9 a.m. I got up. I was just kind of going through the motions as I always had in the morning. I would get up, make a really great breakfast that would fuel my workouts. My heaviest workout of the week would be on Saturday because I didn't have any time constraints. So I woke up, I made my breakfast, which was the usual. And as I was going through the motions, that's actually when I collapsed in the kitchen. Um, and then sort of when I came to my my husband and my kids were sort of, you know, on top of me, crouched on top of me, seeing if I was okay or whatnot. Uh, but what I did is I I actually sort of came to... I had lost a little bit of my speech. I couldn't really make sense of what they were. It just sounded like they were speaking another language that was foreign to me. But even in that moment, my mind was like, that's not even a, that's not even like a human language. Cause I was trying to piece together. I'm like, does it sound Russian? Does it sound Spanish? Does it sound Polish? Does it sound like what language is it? And um, so my mind was racing. I was very lucid in my mind, but my body would just not work with me. And um, so I pushed through that weekend. I was actually just coming on my 36th birthday. So I was quite young. Um, that weekend, I was going to have a, like in the house that we owned, um, I was going to have a huge party. It was a Canadian Thanksgiving, as well as my birthday. I thought, you know, perfect time to get friends together, a group together to celebrate the two. And it was actually that morning when this happened which was a huge sign, like, don't do this. But, you know, being the type A personality that I am, I'm like, oh, no, 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 this is going to happen today. Um, So I actually told myself, like, get the hell up and make this happen. And again, just like what I try to tell people right now, the, the mind is such a powerful tool we have. And up I got and I made the party happen, despite the fact that I had so many physical symptoms that I should not have done that. I mean, I had the headache. I don't even know if the word headache does it justice because it was so incredibly painful. I had given birth twice to two quite large babies, both boys. And I'll tell you, that was a walk in the park in comparison to the pain that I was feeling from the headache, which, and I kept, I mean, I was taking so many painkillers, you know, the Advils, the aspirins, the you name it, just to try to quell this, to be able to get through the day, none of which worked. The headache was almost taunting me. It was like, <laughs> yeah, try again. And um, made the party happen. I mean, I don't have a lot of recollection of it because I also drank that night. I was having wine. I had people over. And then the following day, I was trying to clean up. I had a friend come over and then um, I collapsed again. And then I found myself in the hospital. I was in the resuscitation room. Doctors, you know, sort of on top of me with lights in my eyes. And I do remember because it obviously stands. I mean, I had such an emotional 
moment in that at that time when he said that it was a male doctor who said looks like a stroke get her to ct stat so they ran a ct scan and sure enough i put this actually the picture of it is on on the cover of my book uh you could see the the damage in the brain on the left side speech aphasia which is i couldn't string sentences together i mean I, it was like a word salad for lack of a better term and that was in the hospital for quite a bit i spent my birthday in the hospital was in the hospital for quite a bit of time. They put me on the protocol that they give to all stroke patients, irrespective of how they sort of present. So if let's say, if I was to use a comparison, if you had a 65 year old female overweight uh, smoker who is on a standard American diet, what is called probably one identifiable as one of the most unhealthiest diets, um, and she had a stroke, this individual would have had a stroke, and I had a stroke being a runner in the gym six times a week, type A personality, very low body fat. I mean, I was carrying a six pack on almost all the time, high definition, high muscle definition, very toned. And they they put me on the same protocol as they do everybody who has a stroke. And I actually declined. I did not see any improvement um, while I was in the hospital. And even when I got out of the hospital, I maintained that protocol. So they had me on Coumadin, which is a blood thinner. And um, they told me I would have to be on a baby aspirin, as they call it, very low dose aspirin for the rest of my life. And of course, they pushed a lot of fear into me saying that because I had a first stroke, I was at high risk of a second stroke. So so what really frustrated me, because I really want to emphasize this, is the fact that if you were to take people that have the lifestyle that support the risk of another stroke, which I didn't, I could understand and justify the idea that somebody would have another stroke because you're sort of doing everything towards that. But when you have somebody that's sort of in the opposite direction, so they're highly committed to a diet that's, healthy lifestyle that's healthy in the sense of anything physical because again like I don't want to take away from the fact that I was highly highly stressed and probably not in the best place like as far as the mind is concerned but it did frustrate me and it, in fact it actually angered me because I I just wanted to scream like treat me like an individual like I am not a number and I am not the typical but so it was just like sort of this conveyor belt of patience like you know, stroke, this, this, and this. So if you were 10 years old and had a stroke, you'd get the same medication as a 70-year-old who had a stroke, which was, it blew my mind. And so I I kind of rebelled against the system. Um, and just to go back a little bit, I, I had a lot of trauma with the medical system. When I was younger, my, grand, my paternal grandfather is actually was... Um, a colonel in the army, very highly respected. So he had access to a lot of the um, sort of the most prestigious hospitals that were sort of only for the military personnel. And I remember I went one time, they wanted to take blood and I didn't want to let them. And they actually tied me down <laughs> to be able, so they forced it. They They literally forced it, which was such a highly traumatic thing for me. And then also in school, I grew up in a very tough 
communist country, the same thing we had at that time. Uh, we had a we had dentists on site in the school. That's just how the system was set up. And I remember I went and I said, oh, this tooth hurts. And they're like, no problem. Come on in. And they yanked it. No anesthetic. Literally. I mean, just the most barbaric kind of ways of, you know, dealing with health. So by 2011, you know, when I had the stroke, I was already, I had my, my walls way up when it came to the way that doctors, I was very okay with going to the doctor and letting them kind of allow me to guide the whole thing. Like if she would say, you know, we should take your blood. First thing would come to my mind. I'm like, oh my God, you know, they tied me down to take blood. So I would say, well, how much? And so I was not okay when they kind of forced these protocols on me when I had the stroke. So I proceeded to literally, and this is the story that my book is about the most. I literally had to escape from the hospital because they wouldn't let me leave when I was hospitalized for my stroke. They they said that, you know, medical advice wise, they would not recommend that I leave. And I kept asking, I'm like, I really want to go home to rest. I mean, there was no sleeping in the hospital. There was constant beeping and you know, the announcements of codes, code blue, code red, code pink, code, code white, and so on and so forth. Um, so knowing what I know now, looking back on it, of course, you don't have like the environment in a hospital is definitely not conducive to healing. Like, I mean, in no way, shape or form, you have no fresh air, you have no natural light, you have a very negative doom and gloom kind of you know, feel to the place. There are people who are dying in there. And that was my biggest sort of demon in my mind because I kept thinking about how, oh my God, people die here. Um, certainly the food was, I mean, if you were to ever try to poison somebody, go and borrow food from the hospital and give it to that person, literally. I mean, that is not even, would not even qualify as food. And I put that in the book too. And so, yeah, one night I just uh, yanked the IV out of my arm, which was there, I mean, the whole time since I got in. And I I called my, he was still my husband at the time, my ex-husband. And I said, come and get me. And he came, God bless him. He came and he grabbed me and I went home and it was like the most liberating. I mean, the feeling in that moment was, I can't even describe it. So I finally got to start the journey of healing because I was able to sleep properly. And then um, clearly because I had such a sort of huge, I mean, significant medical event, I was not working. So I had the luxury of time with pay. And I I dove very deep, like many, many rabbit holes. And I started studying what it actually takes to truly heal. And I mean heal not get better, not manage, like really heal, like give the body what it actually needs to repair the damage physically, get yourself to feel like you can actually function, to have the vitality, to have the physical strength, to be able to go through the motions, to be able to really, I mean, for me, even carrying a conversation was difficult because I couldn't string a sentence together. I could, but the words were in the wrong order, so it would not sound like something that was that made any kind of sense. So that's when I actually went back. So I went back to school. I studied nutrition. That was the first step I took. And I wanna I wanna tell people, I mean, it's very rare that you could go and do one course or one program and you feel like you're at the top of your knowledge game. That's very far from it. I mean, it was 
a tiny little fraction, like imagine a puzzle and you take one piece and that's it. You have to go. So I went, I studied nutrition. I did a program here in Canada at the Canadian School for Natural Nutrition. Huge respect because we learned so much. It was taught by naturopathic doctors. So it was amazing. And of course, it was like such a beautiful community, mostly women who were sort of on their own healing journey. So even that component was very healing to me. Um, then I went to the United States and I studied uh, holistic regenerative detoxification with this amazing doctor. I really want to say whoever knows Dr. Robert Morris in Florida, United States, this man is seriously an angel and like a human angel, an angel in human form. What I learned from him is not even, not even like it's ineffable. No words can even encapsulate how much I learned from him down to the nitty gritty of exactly what every cell does to regenerate itself and how it does so. Um, then of course, back in Canada, I did, so I did that. And then I came back to Canada and my father was sort of diagnosed with cancer, um, which was understandable. My dad had smoked. It was just a typical European man, you know, the smoking was part of the, that kind of lifestyle back then, especially in Europe. So I went and I studied uh, cancer and that was again, mind-blowingly, like it opened my eyes in, in a, such a profound way. <clears throat> and um, Dr. Morse, actually, when I had studied under him, he had touched on, you know, how cancer sort of expresses in the body. It's tied to emotions, which is why everything that we study in the, in this field of health is called holistic, because you really want to take the entire person into account, the mind, the body, the spirit, um, you know, your predisposition, like the genetic components, which are tiny. I mean, nothing that mainstream medicine tells you. They think that because somebody had cancer in your family, you're definitely going to have cancer. Sure, you're predisposed, but it doesn't mean that you can, you're going to definitely express that you have so much power over its expression. Um, and then I started actually uh, working with people. I started coaching people because when I saw how much power we have to be able to really get ourselves back on track. I really wanted to share that to say, like, don't ever accept. I mean, I did. I certainly didn't accept what they were telling me in the medical community that, you know, I'm going to have a second stroke and I have to take this in order to survive. And I'm like, you could take turmeric and you would thin your blood just naturally without any side of, without five side effects that Kumudin gives everybody. So I just wanted people to know that there's such an easier and much more powerful way that has zero risks if you go the natural way. So I, it just became such a passion. That so that amazing. in a nutshell is the story. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's brilliant. It's that's a, that's a great story. And, you know, that must have been such a, a scary experience for that happening, going all the way back to your stroke. You know, yes. that happened at the time. And that's crazy that you you still went ahead and had your party and hosted it after having a, a stroke for another day. Like that that's crazy that you managed to do that, like you say. The power of the yeah, and is... and I actually forgot to mention. So after I after I did the whole I mean, I got very quickly I, I sort of dove right back to, you know, healthier eating and I recognized the importance of proper mindset to heal. And I actually went back and I did a um fitness two fitness competitions right after um so if anybody tells you that you can't do anything because you had a stroke it's such complete bs i mean you can really do whatever you put your mind to the body will listen if you if you instruct it properly 
Yeah, I agree. You're, you, the only thing that limits you is, is your mind and your mindset itself. 100%. That, I agree. You can do anything. Um, and yeah, and your your experience with, you know, the medical system is similar to a lot of people's, I think, and similar to what, what I find in that, as you say, you were just treated as a number, basically. You know, that they're not treating the person and they just have, okay, someone comes in with this, this drug, this drug, that's it they go which is one of the big issues with it um which unfortunately i don't ever see changing because it's a money it's a money game isn't it um and it's you know it's it's i wonder what position you would have ended up in if you had just followed um theirs i imagine a very different one i actually it's so funny you say that because i thought about that i mean i put so much of my energy into healing that i didn't even pay attention to me, I kind of shifted my focus, and this is probably one of the most important things anybody can do. If you could shift your mind to thinking that the only positive, and I've said this to my to my clients, to my friends, the only possible outcome in my mind, that's, that's how I kind of treated it. The only possible outcome is me being back to 100% and living a life better than even before I had the stroke. Like that, I did not even entertain any other thought. But um, fast forward to when I actually achieved that, I did think about, I'm like, oh my God, what would have happened if I would have taken the Coumadin and the aspirin, which by the way, everybody knows now, anybody, especially in the holistic health community, like that puts holes in your stomach, which is where all food goes and imagine what a disaster that ends up being. So um, so yeah, so I thought about, I'm like, imagine how many health issues I would have had had I gone down that route. The not just the like the complications from the from the medications. And I highly advise anybody if you're ever put on any medication for whatever purpose, whether it's because you have high cholesterol or because you're diabetic or because you you have heart disease or because you have erectile dysfunction, whatever it may be, please go and actually just go to Google and put in side effects of and type in your medication and then kind of go and look at the most common and then even the less common because you never know if you're part of that one percent or part of the 99 percent and it is scary because then imagine if you're trying to take care of one thing and then you have now like that sprung to another five things as a result of that one medication and now those five things each one will have to have its own sort of solution so it would be a disaster. The idea of having gone down that route—I mean, it scared me. And I and I kind of try to even put a visual around it. I'm like, I would be a decrepit, really old and aged version of myself that would not have any kind of vitality. And I would be—and I'm going to say this very—and I say it openly—I would be an addict. I mean, people who sit on medications. And I had this conversation just the other day with a friend of mine. When I see people, because and I do talk to some of my clients and I say, you know, how long have you been on this medication? And they're like, oh, just five years. Or some people will say, you know, oh, this one? Yeah, 15 years. And I'm like, but but the idea is for you to go to the doctor to take something that's going to heal you. And then you get off the thing and then you're healed. Like the, the entire purpose of the idea of you going, the objective is to heal. If you're going to stay on some like how long are you waiting for this healing to actually come like hasn't 15 years been enough and in that process of course you're like kind of tacking on even more issues more medical you know ailments that now you have to also deal with so we become so busy just dealing with all of these health things when in reality there is one thing you could do change your lifestyle 
and that's inclusive of you know the three pillars of health yeah like your mindset your lifestyle and i'm referring to how much you sleep whether you smoke and your diet what you consume what you like what you drink beverages and foods like what do you ingest what do you put in your body and those three pillars will get you to vitality and 100% health very easily and very quickly yeah I completely agree. And they only have beneficial side effects, not not negative. You know, you're improving all those aspects of your lifestyle. Let's say just to treat a health condition, you're going to see benefits in every other part of your life, too. Exactly. It is the antidote to anything. Um, if you look at people and I've worked with people like if you have mental health issues, if you have physical issues, like any kind of issue, if you were to say, I'm not feeling well, I'm depressed or I'm overweight, I'm hypertensive, I have diabetes, I have erectile dysfunction, I have, you know, PCOS, whatever it may be. If you were to apply these three things, all of those things would go away. Inflammation, anything, anything like all those things can be addressed with this thing with and this is the most important with zero side effects. Like there is nothing, no, nobody that goes to work out can ever fear the fact that this is going to give you dry mouth or diarrhea or heart disease or liver disease, or you may even die and pay attention to those ads that they have for medications when they, when they have to actually mention some of the bad things that can happen to you as a result of taking that, despite how happy they make the people look in those ads and put that against going to a gym and just dedicate yourself to doing that for a week. Let it like just sit there and see how you feel, how good you feel. And then come home and think this or this. Like, I mean, this makes me feel really good. I feel good mentally. I feel good really, like really well physically. And just the idea that I've achieved something feels so good that I want to do it again and again and again and again. And then the byproduct of that doing is really good health versus you take a medication and you have the possibility of having liver failure, kidney disease, or death. I mean, that is one of the things, and I highly recommend go and do research on, you know, how many people die from medical mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great advice for people to just Google the side effects of any medication their doctor tries to put them on. And that would because, be a great first first step. Really. Exactly. That is that just kind of it can kind of just switch something in their mind that hold That's on a right. minute because people just blindly listen, don't they? OK, I need to be on this. But just have a look and think, like you say, do I want any of these side effects? And there's the fact that the majority of medication doesn't doesn't even cure your disease. It's just masking the symptoms. It's not it's mm -hmm. not making you better. As you said, it's just covering it up. If you stop taking it um, you'll still have whatever the issue was, whereas a lifestyle can completely remove it. Right. And and I think that another, th I mean, it's so multi-layered and so multifaceted, but one of the things that we also, most people don't pay attention to is look at it this way. For example, let's say if a medication that the pharmaceutical company brought to the market goes back 25 years ago, 30 years ago, and I'm talking about, you know, your typical Zoloft and things for mental health, right? The SSRIs, which is typically for, you know, anything mental health depression and things of that nature psychosis so you look at those medications that have come out with the research they had done at that time okay and now we have the modern day lifestyle of a person who is way more stressed from the fact that they have social media and so many more pressures 
the food supply has become increasingly toxic because of all the crap that they spray on it and how genetically modified it is. The the lifestyle that we have, like, do we get enough sleep? Um, and dare I say, you know, have we been vaccinated? And how does our body interface with all these things? The new food supply, the water supply that's also contaminated. I mean, think of think of it this way, because a lot of people don't even go into this depth of thought. Your water supply is full of things like hardcore drugs, cocaine, heroin, crack, things of that nature that people put into their body. Uh, all kinds of hormonal things like the, the birth control pill that women take. Uh, medications. So let's say Viagra, erectile dysfunction, things for that specific ailment. Um, SSRIs, like I just mentioned. Uh, blood thinners, like I was on. Um, anything for cholesterol. So imagine the collective goes and urinates into the pool of water that is going to come to your sink that you want to drink out of. And I'm not even talking, I mean, there's like traces of feces and viruses and bacteria, and all of that has to be filtered out. And I could tell you very clearly, and you could go and fact check me on this, your municipal water supply does not have sophisticated filters that is going to remove all of that to give you water that is pure and clean. And that's actually going to give your body what it needs to be fully hydrated. I mean, it's devoid of anything that needs to be like minerals that needs to be in the water. So now you're still taking this medication, this obsolete medication from 25 years ago, studied with, you know, the science of 25 years ago and the health of because they tested on people from 25 years ago, you have all of these new factors in right now, you know, people who are vaccinated against whatever or other, you know, the water supply, that's really crappy, the foods that have been, you know, genetically modified up to yin yang. So do you actually think that now the medication that they claim worked 25 years ago to get people to a better place is going to work right now to the same degree without all of these factors that being taken into account? I mean, at least do some critical thinking and question the science, for lack of a better term, or at the very least, if you're going to have some critical thinking done, go and do the research for yourself and see and then make your decision accordingly. I think it's very erroneous for people to go and trust other people. Again, Doctors are not God. God bless them. I think that doctors that can help us, like if you get into a car accident and you need to go and be safe so they could save your limb, God bless them, they are needed. But to go and trust people that also have their own pressures in life. I mean, they also, they're also human. They have addictions. They have familial issues, you know, divorces. They make mistakes just like the rest of us. Imagine if you are on the receiving end of somebody's mistake. I mean, you could pay with your life. So the onus is on you. And I tell my clients this all the time. The ocean does not care that you have good intentions when you go there. And the ocean does not care that you don't know how to swim. It'll take your life. Like nature is cruel. And I think that a lot of the systems that we have in place in our societies are built on that premise as well. So the onus is really on you. Like if you don't know that running a red light is going to you know, cost you your license, well, the onus has always been on you to go and make sure that you know that that law is in place so that you don't do it so that you can keep your license. And if you didn't know that smoking is going to cause cancer, well, the onus was on you to really go deep 
do your research to make sure that if you're going to do, if you're going to do take on that addiction, that it's not going to cost you your life and it's not going to cost you money. It's not going to put your family in, in bankruptcy. It's not going to cause so much heartbreak in your family. And so it's so important that people educate themselves. And I understand everybody is super busy. And just like with everything in life, if you have a legal matter that needs to be addressed, you go to a legal expert so that they can demystify. Well, I think now has come the time that even the world of nutrition has is so far removed from its natural state that it's almost a prerequisite that you go and you work with a professional to kind of demystify for you, put you on a path that can actually sustain health for you. And do not think that this is going to have to be something akin to what you do in the medical community, that you have to work with somebody for the rest of your life. You know, you're 25 years old or you're 30 and you have, let's say, a digestive issue and you're going to have to be working with an individual until you're 65 or 70 and, you know, ready to die. Far from it. Go get yourself educated, learn, like keep an open mind and then maintain that knowledge base as the foundation and then continue to learn as things develop. Because like I said, the food we had back in the 70s and the 80s is drastically, and I mean drastically different than the food that we have on our shelves right now, if you can even call it that. And just for everybody to know, anything that qualifies as food is only what grows from the earth in the way that it grows from earth. Anything that you find in a bag, like chips and crisps and things of that nature, that is not food. That does not qualify as food. Like about 90% of what you find in your grocery store is not food. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Completely agree. It's a gr grocery stores are mostly completely obsolete nowadays um, with what they actually okay. what they actually have in them. Yeah, completely. Um, so just going back to your story, um, just because I'm interested to know that what were some of the things that you started to put in place to improve your health? Because obviously you would have had quite a long journey coming back. You couldn't put speech together properly and all of this, you did all this. So what, what, what were some of the things that you started to do that really helped you? Right. So the number one thing that I actually hit the ground running on, and I'm actually really good like that. Um, I grew up, you know, with the, with the mindset that when you put your mind to something, I'm not the one to take baby steps towards anything. It's like I flip very quickly. So if today somebody was to come to me and say, oh my God, you have lung cancer and you're a smoker, like this is, I would quit today. Like I would just drop it right then and there and I would never touch it again. So that's what I did with my diet when I, I kind of had a good look and by all accounts, I'll tell you right now, it looked like my diet was perfect when I had the stroke. I was eating a lot of fruits and vegetables, um, lean meats. I was cooking a lot for myself. But what I did is after I studied with Dr. Morse, I wanted to go and sort of detoxify my, my, my tissues. I can call it that my cells because having been in the hospital, they've really toxified me. They contaminated me with all the crap they put in my body. I mean, I was taking an IV, which had a whole bunch of medications and even the IV, it's not real water. So I wanted to really infuse my body with the raw materials and I always explain it this way to my to my clients too. Imagine you have a house. This is the best way to explain it. Imagine you have a house and you want to do a, um, a reno in your kitchen. You want to have like a new kitchen, but you want to keep the foundation. Like you obviously want to keep the house as is. 
you're going to strip away what's there in the kitchen. You're going to tear away all your cupboards and the sink and the plumbing. You're going to seal everything that needs to be sealed. You throw all that out. You bring in new material, right? Like new cupboards, new sink, new everything, new countertop. And you install that the proper way, one at a time. You're not going to go and put a new sink on top of the old sink. You're not going to go and put new cupboards on top of the old cupboards, right? So I looked at it in exactly that way. I said, you know, I'm going to take away what's there. Like I'm going to detoxify. So I'm going to take away the toxicity. And then I'm going to build. I'm going to allow my body to build things with the raw materials that are the best. Think of it like you're not going to go and buy used cupboards. I mean, you already have used cupboards in your kitchen. What would be the point of getting rid of used cupboards to go and buy used cupboards? You already have them. There's no sense. And likewise, if you want to build a new house, you would go and you would buy raw materials, bricks and, and wood and, you know, the foundation that you would pour into the ground. And all of these materials would be sound. Like, would you go and say to somebody, oh, it's okay, just put some sand instead of actual concrete to build the foundation of that home? No. And would you not want somebody to come and measure with levels and whatnot to make sure the walls are built, you know, straight? And would you not want to measure the, let's say, frames of the doors and the windows that you put on that house? It's exactly the same. Or even if you were to build a car, the same thing. You would want to be able to make sure that Everything is measured in a way that the proper things would fit. So a screw would have to fit into, let's say, your your the wheel of your tire. It has to be properly measured so that it fits and it holds it in place so that when you start driving, your wheel is not going to fall off the car and you're going to crash and die. So you have to give the same kind of attention to when you do something to rebuild your body. And that's exactly what I did. So I stopped what I was eating and I said, okay, so clearly... The way that I was eating was sustaining that, but then it also got me to the stroke. So clearly now I'm post-stroke and I am I have to optimize for, you know, healing from a stroke. I'm not eating to, you know, uh gain weight to do a powerlifting competition. I'm eating to heal. I want my my brain to heal. I mean, more than anything, I wanted my brain to heal. So I actually went and I started doing a detox. My best friend sort of she and I got together and we we said okay we're going raw vegan like now right now and we started doing so I started like I ditched all my you know the meat that I was eating the the eggs and I just started doing a lot of green juices green smoothies lots of salads lots of good fats I mean the brain is like that's its number one thing that it wants good fat so avocados, nuts, seeds, chia, you name it, all of that hemp hearts. I was eating that like it was religion. And I cannot even begin to tell you guys how quickly I started to see the results. Like like literally within a week, I could see my mind was so sharp and clear. No more brain fog. My body, like I would wake up really well rested. Prior to that, I was like sluggish. I would wake up and my mind was like, it would take a little bit of time until I would like really wake up. My joints were tight and achy. As soon as you take away the toxins out of the body, you will see how quickly your tissues will regenerate. And it's important that people know, because a lot of times people are not aware of like the power of the body to regenerate itself. And I and I oftentimes, even though to me it's stating the obvious, I do have to mention it to my clients. 
the body is already programmed to heal by itself. And the way that you could see that, because there's always proof of such in life. If you fell and scraped yourself, or if you had a, a, a surgery, okay, major surgery, I'm talking, what doctors do is they send you home and there's something that you can do to allow your body to heal. But like, even if they sew you or they, they staple your skin, you still have to wait for the body to fuse it together, right? If you scrape yourself or you cut yourself, you still have to give the body the time and the space and to give it what it needs for that area, like it scabs over, like there are certain processes that the body goes through to heal. A lot of that happens internally too. So what the body does is it, you purge all the toxins, you know, you have to use the proper pathways for detoxification. You have to support the respective organs that actually contribute to that most important ones, you know, liver, kidneys, colon, you eliminate stuff out of the body, skin as well. When you sweat, you sweat a lot of the toxins out, which is why sweat usually smells because it's disgusting stuff that comes out. And so I, I detoxified, I went through a deep detoxification. And um, I'll say this, it's very simple, in the sense of what you actually have to do, the steps that you have to take, but it's not easy. Because you are so used to, and so is your body, so used to doing things in a certain way that your mind is kind of like, no, 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 I have to eat meat. Like, how am I going to get my protein? But in actual fact, you know, the body's looking for amino acids, which are the building blocks of protein. It's not looking for ready-made protein. Like for those people who eat meat, what the body does is it takes the meat, it breaks it down. It takes the amino acids, which are the building blocks, and it rearranges them in what is actually required for you. So your requirements are very unique to you, your DNA, what you have to do, what you're optimizing for. I mean, if you're just going to go run a marathon, your needs are drastically different than, you know, Jane Doe who sits at a desk for eight hours a day. And so your body breaks everything down and it rearranges it. So you have to support the body in all those processes and let it do its thing. It's programmed for it. It's programmed for healing it's programmed, especially if you're a woman, it's programmed for giving birth and it's programmed to heal from giving birth. And we all know women that have had children know that after you have the child, your uterus has to shrink back to its original state, your hormones rebalance, you know, you lactate to be able to feed the baby. Like all of that is programmed in here to do nothing other than just give the body the raw material, which is in actual fact, the nutrition. Yeah, Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And I wonder, did you, within your detoxification process, were you using things like fasting? Because obviously what, oh, the, yes. exa the example you actually used about rebuilding and, you know, clearing out the old stuff, that's an example I use for things like autophagy. Um, right. You've got to clear out the old cells. So I imagine you use fasting as well with what you did. Oh, yes. Huge. I mean, I used to, uh, so, like, I mean, I dove really deep and I'm not suggesting to anybody to do this on your own. It's really best to work with a professional, somebody who has studied it. So fasting was part of the, you know, uh, curricula that I studied, you know, when I went back to school, respective schools that I, I went back to, but, um, I did, um, so I'm not suggesting anybody try this unless, you know, you're really courageous and you really want to, I did an 11 day dry fast. Oh, wow. So I did 11 days of no eating, no drinking. And, um, of course, mindset is important because I did not go towards it with any kind of uh, fear because I, I really trusted what the body can do. And I don't 
want people to think that, oh my God, that's such deprivation. I did not look at it as deprivation. I mean, I was not, there was no famine. There was food at the grocery store I could have gotten easily. So the mindset was like, you know, I'm just going to give my body a break from processing all kinds of stuff and I'm just going to let it do its thing internally. And yeah, I think it's important for the audience, for the audience to know that, um, the body and its infinite wisdom is programmed to take even damaged cells and 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 take what is um what is damaged in that cell and save the rest and it's going to recycle what's left over and use it for its own purposes and what's damaged will be eliminated through the process of elimination when you're filtering so you know through the urine through the through the skin through the feces um so yeah, that's that's exactly what I, I mean. I I did so I was doing every couple of days I would do a twenty four hour fast. So I was eating you know like strictly fruits vegetables, which would give me the minerals, the vitamins, and all the all the salts necessary, like the electrolytes. Um, a lot of berries, which are high antioxidants. Um, a lot of watermelon to hydrate. And the best way to hydrate at cellular level, that is, is to eat uh, fruits and vegetables that are juicy. So I did a lot of watermelon. I did a lot of berries, um, a lot of greens, because that's where a lot of the power of nutrition. And even right now, like it's rare that I will eat vegetables that are not part of the green family. So I eat a lot of broccoli, a lot of Brussels sprouts, a lot of green beans, a lot of uh, artichokes, a lot of... Um, asparagus, anything that's green is like my go-to most of the time. Um, because I know that that's where the power is. But of course, I know this because I studied it. We studied all the constituents of every single food that is important to healing and to to thriving. Whereas most people don't know that. Um, they think that, you know, getting a jar of, uh, you know, green beans that are sitting in some sort of liquid is okay, I had green beans, but you have to really look at labels. That's why it's important. It's difficult for me to say it all in the constraints of this podcast, but there are certain things that we have to, we have to learn how to read a label. We have to learn that, like, what are you introducing into the body? And is it supporting what you're optimizing for? If you want to go run a marathon, are you eating in line with, with that objective? Or are you just eating for the sake of eating? Because, well, that's what we do every day. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people... Uh, they don't think at all about eating. And as you say, even with labels, people don't look at what's in their food. They just go to the shop, fancy eating that, they yeah. take it and, yeah. and they eat it and they don't. And even that's even another thing I encourage people at first. Obviously, you said about, you know, Googling the medication. That's a great start. I say to people, one of the first things you should do is just start reading the ingredients list of your food. See how many yeah. things on there you actually even recognize. Um, and that should start to make you think twice about what you're actually eating. And, and one more thing, I think it's important because I started telling my clients this. If you go and you buy something that you deem to be food, which 99.9% .9 of the time it's not, and on the packaging it says extra whatever or fortified with whatever, you know, niacin or B vitamins or vitamin C or whatnot, if they have to go out of their way to claim that, it means that it's not because they try to manipulate the food to make it be something that people will think is beneficial and it's a marketing tool for them to get you to spend your money thinking you're doing good. But um, 
go and look at the grocery store if there's ever a label on broccoli to say broccoli's like got a lot of calcium and it's really you know got a lot of amino acids that will help you build proper uh protein no there's never a claim for anything like that just is there but these companies go out of their way to make you believe that this has been made better than nature could ever make anything <laughs> but fundamentally anything that's man-made including supplements vitamins minerals anything of that nature that like you see out in in shops whether they're in liquid format pill format those are all derived from mother nature's uh food so they go they take broccoli and papaya and whatnot like a whole bunch of let's say produce they extract certain things out of those they put it in a pill and they sell it to you now because I say this to a lot of my my clients. If you're already spending money on food, and you are, because we all eat every day, you don't have any reason whatsoever to go and buy and spend extra money, so, which you could keep in your own pocket, to buy additional things in the form of pills and, and, and powders and whatnot to actually maintain your health. Like, I mean, back in the day, people were eating food and they were having kids and they were coming out healthy and nobody had any issues and um, and everything worked just fine. And now we have to manipulate our bodies into thinking that this, that, or the other. And I don't want to take away from the fact that some supplements are important because foods have been sort of depleted, but there are things you can do. Um, if you have the money to go spend on pills and powders, you could probably that you could invest that money in buying organic so that you could get the higher nutrition profile in that food. Um, and if you are deficient, so run tests, and if you are deficient in something, then certainly go ahead and take like magnesium is probably the number one thing that people should take. That's a huge deficiency, which is sort of the precursor to a lot of health issues in the world right now. And magnesium is responsible for over 200 functions in the body, like muscle contraction, heartbeat, all of that, which is important. So if you have a heart, you know, like high blood pressure, heart arrhythmias, things of that nature, investigate. Chances are you're magnesium deficient and it's not an expensive thing that you have to go and invest in. Um, but start with the foundation much like the example I gave with the house you know uh, don't start going and put putting in your your kitchen cabinets before you put in the walls like I mean yeah you, you still have to put the walls in first and you have to make sure they have proper plastering and you know paint them and then go so step-by-step -step process start with the foundation of nutrition nutritious foods yeah I, I agree I think supplements are vastly overrated and mostly just marketing really as you say there's certain situations where someone might need a supplement maybe while they're healing and recovering but i think if you're eating the proper diet uh you're eating the right food you, you shouldn't need to supplement and a, a lot of them say oh you'll get this much from it and a lot of them you won't your body won't actually absorb it it's not bioavailable and it's, it's it's mainly marketing with supplements i think really like you say you're better off just getting the right food and doing it that way it's a lot easier yeah i mean if you see uh, a lot of the supplements like for example if you were to take let's say vitamin c there's tons of vitamin C in an apple, let's say, and tons of vitamin C in watermelon, but your body recognizes and able to use that because there are a whole slew of other things in that apple and in the watermelon that actually your body looks for to be able to use the vitamin C. And that vitamin C becomes beneficial to your body 
only in the presence of all those other things. Whereas if they go and they fraction and they, they extract just the vitamin C and they put it in a pill while the body is looking to say, hey, where are the other things that actually like would need to be present for me to be able to utilize this vitamin C? So a lot of people just produce really expensive urine. They go, they buy supplements that the body just filters out because it says like, yeah, there's nothing I could do with this. Sorry, if you're not going to give me the remaining of what I need to utilize this and to be able to go through the four stages of digestion. So the digestion, uh, assimilation, utilization, and elimination, then it's of no use to me. I'm just going to go straight to step four. I'm going to eliminate it because I it's the body becomes toxic, like an overload of things that it cannot do anything with. So to maintain its equilibrium, the body will just get rid of things really quickly or yeah. store them for later use. Exactly. And and it's if you're just like you said, if you're just taking a, a big amount of a pure vitamin on its own with nothing else, it's, it's easy to overdose on vitamins, too. And oh, people true. say that, you know, people say, oh, this, you can't have too much of a good thing, but you can, you can get hypervitaminosis and, you know, people, you can get bad side effects from overdosing. So as you say, if you're getting it from the food, you're getting it in the right balance. So you're not going to have that issue. That's right. And the fiber. So important to get the fiber from fruits and vegetables. So important uh, because the body looks, and that's what keeps you, like it keeps your digestive system functioning well. Uh, the ability, so, you know, you eliminate the, the, the whole concept of constipation. A lot of people suffer with that, but that's because they're so deficient. I mean, people are deficient in fiber and they think, well, I'll just go and buy, you know, some fiber enhancing something or other the pharmaceutical company makes. Well, no, the body doesn't even recognize that. But if you're going to be eating an apple or some broccoli or some sort of, you know, a salad, which is all roughage that the body like loves because it has prebiotics and probiotics and fiber and minerals and vitamins and a whole bunch of nutrients, carbohydrates, pro like the, you know, I don't want to say protein because it's not a, a fully made protein, but it, it does have the amino acids that the body can string together to produce the protein that it uses for all the functions in the body. And that's all you need. The body just looks for those things. It's like, you know, would you go to the guy who's going to put your kitchen together and you say, okay, here, screw this uh, cabinet in here with a, you know, this size of a, of a screw. I'm sure the guy's going to be like, okay, you just get to choose what cabinets you want. And I'm the expert. I'll take care of this. I know how to put it up on your wall and I know how to make your kitchen look good. That's how the body is. The body knows what to do. You don't need to go and tell the body what to do. You just give it what it needs. It does it. And it does it perfectly at that. Yeah. Yes, yes. The body does a better a better job than we could do. And like you say, you talked about it earlier. It's about education. And as you say, you do nowadays, you do need to work with an expert, I think, especially if you're someone who is, let's say you're suffering with an illness and you need the help. You need to work with an expert. And as you said, it's, you know, it might just be a couple months you work with them you're going to learn you're going to be taught and then you can carry on yourself like you say it's not you don't have to do it forever with someone you you are learn and educate and you know in, in my opinion um you know people may have different but i think that once you learn the basics it's very simple i i don't think it's really complicated once you get the basics of how to look after yourself um, and then it's easy to put into action but i think you do need the expert help at first like you said yeah i mean if you start and you kind of get an idea like for example the way i do it with my uh, with my clients, I just tell them, okay, if you pay attention to the the rhythm of what we're doing. So first thing in the morning, wake up, drink water with a little bit of lemon and a little bit of salt. 
and then tell me like, or you pay attention for yourself. You don't have to tell me, but oftentimes I do ask for the feedback. How do you feel? Oh, I feel really great. I feel more alert. And that's right. Your digestive system has kickstarted. You just hydrated. You took in electrolytes from the, from the salt. So you charged yourself like the electric charge that you need and you feel ready for the day. Like that should be the number one thing that you take. But what do people usually do? They wake up half asleep and they go and they drink coffee, a dehydrating thing, which on all accounts is a drug because it's addictive. I firmly believe that if coffee was to be brought to the market right now, it would be considered a drug, 100%. Uh, Coffee depletes your magnesium, like huge, which is why the world is so magnesium deficient because they all drink coffee multiple times a day. So imagine you wake up and you Um, And again, because I always do a lot of these visuals for my clients, I say, okay, imagine you're in bed and your significant other or your boss or your child comes and jolts you out of bed, like, so you don't have the chance to very leisurely, calmly get out of bed. And you have to like go for a run, like you haven't had a chance to wake up. And your body's not ready for that, but you force it. Like you, it's a forced thing. Well, when you drink coffee, that's really what you're doing to your systems. You, you know, hit your, your adrenals. They, they release a lot of cortisol, like norepinephrine, epinephrine really quickly. And you start to feel the jitters, right? Because your body's like not in a state of calmness, it's not going through the motions at its own pace. You're forcing it. So it's it's like uh, when you hit a, a horse, even though it's tired, you you hit it with a, you know, with an object and say like, keep going, keep going faster, go, 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 go. Your body might not be ready for that. So that's what people do with coffee, which is why they do it again, you know, mid-afternoon when they hit the brick wall. It's because you crashed. Your body just, it was a lot of output of um, of a lot of hormones to get you going but then now it's crashed and now you go and you hit it again and you say, give me some more to get me through the rest of the day. I'll tell you, I don't have any of that. I mean, I don't drink coffee. I feel really, I I, have, I don't have any cravings for sugar. I don't have any cravings for anything. I sleep really well. I dream, like I have very, very vivid dreams. A lot of people don't even have any recollection. They never dream. That's what they say. Everybody dreams in reality, but they just don't have recollection of it. Um. So yeah, so it's important to really work with someone that can walk you through the proper steps to really help your body rather than work against your body. Uh, And that goes across the board, whether you're trying to prevent disease, prevent getting sick, or whether you are already sick and you're trying to help the body get you to a place of healing. And again, uh, I want to emphasize, nobody heals you, the body heals itself. People just help you understand the healing process and they guide you. So nutritionists and health practitioners, they are your guides. They are guides. They are not the healers because I know a lot of people identify as healers, but nobody heals anybody. You heal yourself and your body heals itself. And you, what you put into it, you get out of it. So mindset, you know, lifestyle. I mean, the nutritionist is not there to like force you to go to sleep to get eight hours. That's on you. They could tell you, you should really get a, you know, minimum of eight hours, especially because you've had surgery. So a lot of the work that the body does is when you're sleeping. So it's really, really important, but they're not going to be there to make sure they tuck you in at, you know, 
10 o'clock at night when you have to wake up at 6 a.m. the next morning, that's on you. So people have to be empowered to take those steps by themselves. And I did the same thing with my dad. I mean, I helped him as much as I could when he had his cancer. But ultimately, a lot of it was he himself. And I remember when I went through the, um, when I did my internship, when I studied um, cancer, it was after about the second week where working at this clinic, I remember I could identify very quickly when people walked in, whether they were going to make it or not. It's really that big. If you are bought into the idea that cancer kills, chances are you will manifest that. But if you are bought into the idea that, hey, a lot of people heal, I mean, look at how many people made it. And you go down that path and you feed that energy. It's a hundred percent, a hundred percent with no exception you can make it. Yeah. You have that much power. People have that much power. So do not give your power to a doctor, a practitioner, a nutritionist. Sure, trust them that they're going to give you the right information and then trust yourself and your body to apply that to get you to a place of healing. It's so simple to do it. It's not easy, but it's simple. Yeah, that is true, yeah. It's, it's, as you say, the, the mindset is huge. And that, that's with any, even with people that just go through the medical system, even there, the difference in mindset is huge, isn't it? Someone who comes in with a negative attitude and someone comes in with a positive. It's the mind's such a powerful tool and the body is super powerful. And Mother Nature, you know, has provided us everything we need to fix our bodies when things go wrong. And we've just got to get, as you say, give it the right tools and step back and just give it the right things. Like you said, sleep. Um, sun no one get we don't get enough sunlight do we we don't get enough sleep so you've got to give yourself all of those things I don't know if that was you know was that something you implemented in what you did as well with sunlight is in your view is that an important thing to get sunlight and fresh air absolutely yeah. I mean um so oxygen is super important I mean we have to oxygenate our body so breathing if anybody has I don't know if they've ever seen or heard from their practitioner. I, I highly recommend do breathing exercise, not just for the fact that you get oxygen into your tissues, which so every cell breathes, eats, drinks, and poops, which is exactly what you do. And you have to give the cells, obviously, the oxygen so that it can breathe, much like Mother Nature gives us oxygen so we could breathe. You have to give it the food, much like Mother Nature makes food for us so that we can eat. You have to give it like hydration. It has to drink much like how, you know, there's water in Mother Nature for us to drink. And it poops much like how our body eliminates. We, we urinate and we defecate, right? To be able to get rid of the waste. So the cell does exactly what we do. So if you are not going to give it the oxygen that it needs for it to breathe, it's going to start to mutate. It's going to start to break down. And then it's going to get inflamed, which is the number one. Like that's the first step towards when trouble is going to come. Inflammation is the number one thing. And a lot of people have, you know, high, they're highly inflamed. So yeah, breathing exercises. So it's important. One of the number one things people can do, just go for a walk. Literally, it's so simple. Take your dog for a walk. Go and ask people who do this regularly. You don't have to run. You don't have to jog. Because I know that a lot of people think, oh, no, no, I can't. My joints hurt. My knees hurt. My hips hurt. So, okay, no problem. Yeah, you don't have to go and run. You don't have to be a marathoner. You don't have to be a sprinter. But go and ask people at, or look in your community, neighbors, let's say, 
and see those that go for walks, like they walk their pets and ask them, how do you feel? How does it feel after you go for your walk? Why do you walk every day? And you will see that a lot of people will have nothing but positive things to say about the walking. It does so much because not only do you get to move, so you oxygenate because you're breathing faster and you know, you're utilizing like the blood has to flow. There's oxygen in the blood. It goes to all your tissues, to your muscles, to your joints. So you're oxygenating all all your cells. That's super important. Same thing with sunlight. Yes. Um, I highly recommend people don't wear sunglasses. Like do not deprive your eyes of the sunlight that because the, the brain itself is looking for, for the full spectrum that your, your eye can take. And so do your tissues and you need that light. Do not wear the sunglasses. My God. First thing in the morning when you wake up if, yeah. or any time, like if you wake up before sunrise, especially after we go through all of these time changes, go outside at the time that you can take a five, two minute break, go outside and just expose your eyes to natural light, especially sunlight, especially sunlight. And more importantly than that, allow your skin to be exposed to it because that's how you get vitamin D and vitamin D. I mean, by and large, I know that I said about what I said about magnesium, but vitamin D is another super critical thing that you need. So if you do not get it from, from sunlight, cause you live in countries like I do in Canada, you know, we wake up, it's dark. We go, we leave the office. It's dark. It gets dark very early. It's dark in the morning and you don't have access to vitamin D go and get that as a supplement. That's important because you do need to get it. However, if you do have access to sunlight, go outside and expose your skin for 10, 15 minutes. Your face, if you have to wear gloves because it's cold, no problem. Let your face get the sunlight. Um, And just so that everybody knows, and I know I'm stating the obvious, and for those that know, they already know, the reason why the flu season comes, especially in Northern states in the United States or anywhere in Europe and in Canada, the reason why the flu season comes when the, there's not as much sunlight is because your immune system really plummets when there's no sunshine. And you do have to go and supplement to be able to maintain that level of vitamin D that the sun usually gives to you for free. You have to maintain that to be able to maintain your immune system, which prevents you from getting sick because the flu season comes at a time when it comes it coincidentally. So it coincides with, you know, when vitamin D levels are at their lowest. In the summer when it's hot and you're out in shorts and tank tops and your skin gets a lot of the sunshine and the natural light, it's able to produce that hormone. I know it's called vitamin D, but it's not a vitamin. It's actually a hormone. It's able to produce the vitamin D, which is what's going to give so much to immune system, like so much. I think people don't have any idea how important vitamin D is. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And yeah, as you say about the time of year when the flu season comes is when people are, there's not so much sun because it's cold. People are indoors. And mm-hmm. um, the, the time of year when there's lots of festive things, they're eating a load of sugar and a load of rubbish oh, that should yes. be eaten. And, and it just happens to coincide with everyone getting ill. So yeah, like you say, it's more down to their lifestyle rather than, oh, just happens to be bugs going around that that time of year. I completely oh, agree with you. Yeah. When, yeah. We, when we take in all kinds of toxins, especially, you know, because we are celebrating so many things, and then we don't have the movement and we don't have the sunshine and we don't have the proper sleeping and we're consuming alcohol that kind of disrupts so many of our body's natural rhythms. And yeah, that's a rest. That's the perfect recipe. I always say, <clears throat> I was talking to my friend the other day and I said, you know, it just came to me. A lot of 
experts right on how to uh, get healthy, how to prevent disease. I'm like, 99% of the people in the world are experts at how to make disease. Like any regular person can say how to get diabetes, like, and just write your lifestyle down and then sell it, go sell it to somebody who might be interested. Of course, I'm being sarcastic because nobody would be looking to learn how to, you know, get diabetes or want to implement any such thing. But in reality, people have become experts because they, they start this approach and then they perpetuate it and it ends up in disease. And, and just for, for reference, speaking of diabetes, um, and this has been studied. So there are studies out there. You could go and fact check this. If you, if you're sleep deprived, so there was a sleep deprivation, uh, study that was done. And I believe it was done with, uh, some sort of an army kind of sector. They were actually able to sleep deprive the soldiers which typically is the case, especially in combat. Uh, and then when they tested them, they had turned diabetic. So you could turn yourself diabetic overnight just by sleep deprivation alone. Go and check your blood sugar, go check your insulin levels, like to see exactly like how how this interfaces without you even consuming sugar. Yeah. Like yeah. just just simply by sleep depriving yourself. Yeah, poor poor sleep and stress will they will cause insulin resistance, they'll they'll reduce yep. your um, insulin control and yeah. That's, this life that's just, absolutely as you say that the start it's, it's lifestyle factors i believe that pretty much all of the illnesses and conditions we have today are, are lifestyle diseases um as opposed to just something you could get you know by being unlucky or something obviously there are certain things which might not be down to your lifestyle but the majority of them are from from people's lifestyle and the good news of that is that it's easy to change it if you just change your your lifestyle but unfortunately nowadays people aren't willing to do that. And I, I think, I, I don't know what you found in your experience because you work with people as well, is that I find that the majority of people value health very low. Oh, yes. And- oh, God, yes. I mean, I, I, and of course, I'm not, I'm not here to hate on anybody or to in any way, shape or form shame you. But I worked with, with women and I'm not even joking. I've worked with women, you know, PCOS, diabetic, overweight, tired, fatigue, chronic fatigue, you name it. Like, I mean, complete disaster where hormones are concerned. And these women were investing money in expensive purses. Like they had no problem to drop $3,000 in on expensive designer name purses. However, when I was and, you know, doing consultations with them. And I would say, you know, it would, you would really benefit if you were to be able to, from now on, buy this organic, like, you know, you will see you're even going to be more nourished because the body gets more of the nutrients that are in organic foods than in non-organic. And they would say to me, oh, but that's so expensive. And it's true. Yes, organic foods are more expensive. I think it's a crime that they have the audacity to charge us more money, I mean, exorbitantly more money for foods that mother nature gives to us for free in its natural state, exactly as the body needs it to be. But people find that to be so expensive. However, the purse that gives you zero value to your, to your health, to your vitality, to your life, to your longevity, to your quality of life, they have no problem to drop that kind of money. And I'm thinking in with $3,000, if you were to like divert that, that those funds to buying organic food, you could probably do that for three, four months, maybe six, if you're really, really careful. And you have just added years to your life. Like, I'm sorry, but please explain to me how this purse has added years to your life. Yeah, uh, you're completely right. It's, it's sad. It's, it's really sad. It's and- insane. 
I think the only thing that often changes it for people is when they have a really bad or scary health um, situation or that, like, you know, they, they have something really bad, they have a heart attack or they get cancer and so, and then suddenly they value their health. But up until that point, it's, it's really hard to get people to value it properly. I really want, I really want to emphasize. So I think it was, and don't quote me, like go and find out who this is because I don't know, but I think it was John F. Kennedy who said, uh, and this was very profound for me because I kind of realized this when I, when I had my, my stroke, um, fix your roof on a sunny day. And I thought to myself, I'm like, why would he say that? But if you really think about it, it speaks to prevent it, like preventive measures. So you're preventing getting your roof to start leaking and then you're forced to 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 fix it on a day when it's raining or during the rainy season or the winter when it's really almost impossible to fix, you know, without you being on the receiving end of, you know, leaking in the house and the cold and whatnot and probably paying even more to fix it during that time of the year so it's exactly the same when it comes to health it's so important that you prevent getting sick rather than get to the point when you have to go pedal to the metal and i'll tell you it's not easy i mean it was definitely not especially for cancer patients when you get your stage four diagnosis and you know that they say to you well you have x amount of time to live and you realize that it's like, okay, so I have that much time to turn this ship around. So think of it, think of the cancer as a cruise liner, okay? This humongous thing. You cannot do a U-turn easily. No way, shape, or form. Or you, let's say you're driving one of those 18-wheeler trucks. Like you actually have to go to a space where you have the ability to do that U-turn, not hit anything, not put anybody else's life at risk, be able to do so safely so that you don't roll that truck down or even with the boat, you're not going to like capsize it. It's exactly the same way. Like, I mean, you could do that U-turn so easily when you're when you're dealing with a little dingy boat or any any kind of small vehicle very quickly. But if you're going to be dealing with a monstrosity of a disease that can very easily take your life, and and I don't want to, like, I want people to know mindset is very important when it comes to this. Um, but you are in such a position of power when you actually can do so before this even happens. In fact, you even eliminate the risk of that ever even happening to you. Imagine if you could just invest to say like, well, I've just decreased. I mean, I know that my father had cancer, but Eh, like I, I do things that reduce my my chance of ever getting cancer by 80%. So what are the chances that's going to happen to me? Yeah, very low. So it's important to work from all those perspectives. And the reason why I practice holistic is because I really want to people to know, yeah, the mindset, you know, has such a profound effect on it. I mean, if you believe that your family had cancer, so because you're part of that family, you will get cancer. And as an aside, most people do because they practice the same lifestyle. They eat the same crappy foods the parents did, and they have the same lifestyles in the same in the sense of they're sedentary. Like my parents didn't work out, so I'm not going to work out. Or my parents smoked, so of course I'm going to smoke. Or my parents, um, you know, had very negative mindset, so of course that's what I learned. That's what I'm going to practice. So that's how genetic predispositions actually manifest because you practice the same things. So the genetic aspect of it, like actually what's encoded in your DNA itself, like physically speaking, that's like 5%. It's nothing. 
you have 95% power. So think of those numbers, 95% power to not have that be your reality. 95%, that's huge. And so if you work from a preventative measure, you are going to be able to eliminate the risk almost completely, but you really have to be dedicated and you have to do it holistically. You cannot think, oh my God, I'm going to get cancer and eat a raw vegan diet and run every day. But you think, oh my God, I'm going to get cancer. I'm going to get cancer. Yeah. Chances are that you could eat you know, the best diet, sleep 10 hours a night, go run marathons, and you're going to get cancer because you are going to literally manifest the very thing you keep telling yourself. And when it comes to cancer, and I had this conversation with my dad, I remember when he had his cancer. Um, again, it goes back to what I said earlier. You have to envision your outcome and you do not give any attention or energy to any other outcome other than the one that you want to be the reality for you. Because doctors, <laughs> and again, nothing against doctors, but doctors literally, and I mean that word very seriously, literally scare people to death. Like, I mean, they go and they say, oh my God, you're stage four. You you have three months to live. And people are like, oh shit, uh, I have three months to live. And sure enough, in three months they die because they believed, wholeheartedly believed this doctor. Now imagine if you go and you say, what the hell are you talking about? Like three months, watch this and go back and reclaim your power instead of giving it to that person to dictate what's going to be your outcome. So that person's an external factor, an external person, something outside of you when your power stays with you and inside of you and the application of it stays with you. But go and fact check me, go and do the research. It's all out there. There are, and I remember this was part of my, my studies, do you know how many people actually died and during autopsy? People who were like, okay, you have cancer and you have stage four of this cancer. What let's say, let's talk about brain cancer or whatever, lung cancer, one of the most prevalent ones, or even pancreatic, which supposedly kills the quickest. There were people who were diagnosed with that, told that they would die very quickly. They were given a, you know, finite time. And then when they did their their autopsies, these people didn't even have cancer. So let's say the body and its infinite power and wisdom and the immune system was strong enough that it actually cleared, let's say those cancerous cells, which is nothing more than damaged cells, really mutated damaged cells or a sac that's been contained by the body and, and it eliminated it. So there was nothing in there anymore for the doctors to see. They may have seen it when it happened. Like initially, yeah, it was there, but the body then went and did what it's meant to do, get rid of it. So these people died <laughs> and then they didn't even have the cancer in their body. So imagine how many people can actually be that statistic. They actually believe what somebody says and they actually end up manifesting nothing. Like, I mean, I really, my next book is on this exactly. People have no idea how much power they have. I mean, trust me, I nearly died. I remember going to the, to the neurologist and we had pulled up my, my MRI visuals and he was showing me, he's like, oh, he goes, so here's where the damage is. And you could see it, it's very clear where the damage was done on my brain. And he said, okay, now if it was like right over here and it was literally like not even a millimeter over he said you would be in a wheelchair like you would be a vegetable and i'm like what i said you're crazy that would never be me i'll tell you that right now and for those of you that follow dr dispenza 
you all know what he was able to achieve, even though he had that very same thing. He had the accident that really severed his his spinal cord. He was in a in a bed, you know, unable to do anything. And he put it in his mind that within a certain time, he was going to be right back and look at him now. So everybody, I want everybody to think, don't think that luck has anything to do with it or genetics has anything to do with it. No, no, no. You have your own power that is given to just you. What happened to other people, whether they are in your family or not, and you share blood and DNA, there's another very important component that's energetic that has nothing to do with that person. They are their own person and you are your own person. And you have the power and I want to say this, and I'm going to say it publicly, and I don't care who fact checks me and what this means. I, I, I need to speak the truth. Everything, every single thing, bar none, is healable. Everything. You can overcome anything. Nobody is going to, there's no death sentence for anybody. If you want to heal, if you want to get back to 100%, you can. 100% of the time. If you put in the work and you put in all the components that are necessary, you can. I mean, trust me, I, I was given that kind of sentence that, oh, if this happened and this, I'm like, yeah, don't tell me any of that. Like my objective is to get back on my feet. My objective is to get back to 100%. And that's what I, I diverted all my energy to. My mindset was that I'm going to get back. I'm going to compete. And I did all, all of those things. And I recognized what was the issue that I really needed to tweak. And I did. And here I am. And everybody can do that. Everybody bar none, no matter what, the disease, dysfunction, whatever it is that your doctor tells you. And doctors just put labels on things. That's all. Inflammation has all those itis things, you know, bursitis and pancreatitis and all kinds of itises, which are just nothing but inflammation. That particular thing that they put a name to. Like if they say pancreatitis, you know, it's like your pancreas is just inflamed. You just need to bring down the inflammation. You'll be fine. But it's made to look like, oh, it's so scary. They put a name on it. Only doctors know those names. It's really not that bad. It really isn't. Yeah, no, I agree with you. That's a, that's a really powerful message. I, I completely agree with you that everything is healable, 100% as well. And mm -hmm. that, that's a great message for people to hear. And I want people to hear that and just to take it in and, and just open your mind to the fact that that could be true. Even if you don't believe it at first, open your mind to the fact that that could be true. And why would it not be worth trying? Often that, you know, if, if someone can just take that first step and try, that's the biggest part. After that, you, as soon as you start to get those results, you realize that it is right and you just keep going. It's a positive feedback. So I would encourage people to open their minds to it. You've literally been there. You, you've yep. literally been at that point. You've done it. You've turned it around. And, and as you say, the mindset is is super key. You know, all parts of it, you know, your diet, your exercise, your sleep, your stress, your, your mindset, it has to be all of it lined up. Um, and and I, I love that. That that message is spot on. You, everything can be healed and everyone can do it too. You don't have to be right. special to do it. Everyone yep. can. I mean, and you have to believe, don't, don't put it on anybody outside of you. No doctor is going to heal you. No guru is going to heal you. No religious figure is going to heal you, no nutritionist, health coach. Like I, I'm a health coach, but I'm by no means do I heal people. They heal themselves. The body heals itself. I just kind of, I'm their tour guide to be like, okay, yeah. let's talk about how your kidneys work. Let's, let me teach you. And then afterwards, you know, here are the foods that work best and, you know, implement them. And then you write down how you feel and then let me know how you feel. And um, I think it was Henry Ford who said, 
if you believe that you are right or if you believe that you are wrong, you're always it's always one and the same. So if you believe that you could heal or if you believe that you cannot heal, you're right. So if you believe you cannot heal, yeah, you're right. You won't heal. But if you believe that you could heal, you're right. You will heal. So whatever you put your mind to, that is the thing that you're going to manifest. That's why I always tell people, like, when when I work with people, I don't ever talk about, oh, here's what you shouldn't do. It's like, here's what you should do. I don't tell people, here's what you shouldn't eat. Here's what you should eat. And I even tell them, like, okay, so eat whatever you're eating. Like, you want to eat chips? No problem. Go ahead. You want to eat crap? No problem. Go ahead. Go and eat, you know, the fried foods and the McDonald's. However, on top of that, every day, you need to have this and this and this and this and this. And then they say, oh my God, but like, I can't, I can't eat all that food. I'm like, yeah, that's right. You can't just eat what I tell you. And you will see how naturally what the crap you're eating is going to fall off because this stuff is going to satiate you to such a degree. Like you definitely, you know, like the cookies that you have with your coffee at 2 PM are not going to be a thing in your mind. If you had like a really nutritious salad with you know really good nutrients that the body is looking for it's going to feel satiated you're not going to crave any of that so naturally people will go towards what they naturally have to do if they implement the things that they're meant to implement yeah yeah i agree and it's coming at it from a positive mindset isn't it like you say you're saying do's rather than don'ts which in in the human brain works a lot better Of course. Yeah. There's, that's why I say I do holistic. So for me, it's such a, I call myself, you know, a holistic transformation coach because it is, it's a transformation of the mindset. It's a transformation of habits. And a lot of people don't recognize, I mean, I could go so much deeper into this, but a lot of the habits that we have, I I work with clients who eat out of a hundred percent emotion. They want to make themselves feel better. They have trouble in their marriage at home. I know people don't even make the connection, but they have trouble in their marriage at home. And, and I'm prime example of that. My addiction was the gym. I was in the gym going hard. I was like, okay, I'm, I want to run 45 minutes. And then when I would see that I'm not running, you know, the perfect mile, I'm like, oh my God, I only did this much. And then I would push myself harder. So everybody has their own thing. Some people just eat chocolate because they make the sugar is something that makes you feel good. So a lot of people eat for the wrong, the, the wrong things for the wrong reasons to make themselves feel better. So once we tap into why are you doing this? It becomes so clear that, oh my God, like, okay, so I, I don't even need to, like, I'm not really hungry for chocolate covered almonds, but I just do it because in that moment I feel really low. And when I was younger, when I was like not feeling the best, my mom offered me chocolate covered almonds. And that to me is comfort. And now my mind has that association. So subconsciously I go and I reach for chocolate covered almonds because I want to make myself feel better in the way that I felt back then when my mom gave it to me and I felt better. So people do things that like from before and and it goes way, way beyond. Like people do this to self-protect. People do this to be able to deal with the trauma that's trapped in the body. People do this because it's an addiction. Like food is the number one addiction. I mean, people are addicted to things. And um, trust me when I tell you, this was like part of my curriculum when I was studying the companies out there that produce food, as they call it, food, you have like they spend millions of dollars. And I'm talking like hundreds of millions of dollars. They have huge teams of people that study the body systems and how they operate. And then they go and they hijack the body systems and they override. So they kind of hack into your, you know, internal systems. So if let's say, 
you eating a salad and some sweet potato with, you know, a piece of, you know, organic salmon is going to satiate you Well, they're going to come and they're going to say, okay, let's figure out how we could take that system and hack it so that we can get people addicted to eating, you know, a whole box of chocolate or a box of cookies or a whole bag of chips instead of just being satiated by a few of them to just get the taste. It's like, it shuts down that system and then it you get to eat the whole thing. So now you've just ingested a whole bunch of really horrible chemicals, empty calories. So you gain weight. Then you start to feel like shit. Then you gain the weight and you feel like, oh, I'm out of shape. Nobody's going to find me attractive. So then it starts to tear away at your mind. So everything that you eat is connected to how you feel is connected to your mental health. So when you reverse engineer that, it's exactly the same thing. You have to look at it holistically. How does your mindset and your mental health, how does it connect to what you eat and how healthy you are? So any good practitioner will look at you as a whole person, not just at the fact that your liver is not functioning and you know how the medical community has. Like you go to a liver specialist, you go to a heart specialist, you go to an endocrine system specialist, or you go to a reproduction system, like OBGYNs. Well, yeah, but what about the other things that are affected in the body? Not just that. So that's why it's important to look at you as a whole and how everything interfaces with everything else. Yeah, I completely agree. We actually spoke on that on a recent podcast about how they literally have experts trying to get you addicted to their food, yeah. spending all that money. And, you know, it's things like that. If people can just stop for a second and realize that, then hopefully they can start to question, you know, should I be in this you know, is this actually good for me? And hopefully start to make better choices uh, about their food and, and about their health, hopefully. Um, mm -hmm. Listen, I've taken up a lot of your time. It, it, it's been absolutely, but I don't, I don't want to keep you all evening. I mean, I'm sure we could do this again and talk about more. It, 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 there, there's so much more to talk about. It, it's been brilliant, um, but I don't want to keep you forever. So um, thank, thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing your story. And before you go, Tell people where they can find you and also um, tell us the, a little bit about your book. I know you shared it already, but we'll link where people can find the book and stuff like that as well. So just, just let people know where they can find you. Absolutely. First and foremost, thank you so much for the opportunity to come on your show and chat about this super important thing that I'm so passionate about, especially coming from, you know, where I came from, I nearly paid with my life. And I know that there are people out there who are in similar positions uh, to get a hold of me yes head over to my to my website it's simone gisondi.com so s-i-m-o-n-e-g-i-s-o-n-d-i.com you could find my a link to my book there the book is called against medical advice very aptly nice, named nice. because i did a lot of stuff against what the medical community was um prescribing so against medical advice the link is there and i would love to continue this conversation ryan thank you so much for the opportunity perhaps we could do this on my show next so that we can continue to educate and inform the audience thank you again for having me that's all right yeah absolutely that would be a pleasure let's definitely do this again and, and talk some more and as you say it's all about educating people you know that's the goal we're, we're as you said we're not healers we're here to educate and hopefully help people to get in a position to heal themselves. So mm -hmm. that's absolutely brilliant. And thank you for sharing your story. Stories are my favorite thing because they're so powerful. Um, yours is an extremely powerful story and just shows people what's possible by having both the right mindset and giving your body what it needs, improving your lifestyle and the, the amazing things you can achieve. So thank you again so much for coming on. And um, hopefully you enjoyed yourself. 
And um, thank you to everyone for listening. We will see you again next week. And let's get optimal together.